Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. That musical clip you just heard was composed by a local uh, Cleveland Indian American, Arya Kumar. And welcome to tonight's episode of Asia Town Voice. So, what is Asia Town Voice? Asia Town Voice is an hour long programming on WJCU's 88.7 FM radio every Sunday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. This hour long program provides an inside look. Into the Asian Pacific Americans community and their culture, education, and events going on in Northeast Ohio. Asia Town Voice will help you understand the different ethnic groups in Cleveland. It promotes diversity and unity to our listeners. Asia Town Voice is a non for profit radio hour hosted by WJCU's 88.7 FM. We are volunteers and we hope that the listeners will enjoy our program and give support to WJCU so we can continue providing many voices with many choices to you. So, the hosts of WJCU are myself, my name is Yin, and、um, I am a teacher, I'm a dance instructor at the Cleveland Contemporary Chinese Culture Association, and we do a lot of the local Chinese performances. And with me、uh, is Johnny Wu. Johnny, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, can.、Um, I'm currently the president of the OCA Cleveland chapter,、um, the also the owner of the marketing production company called Media Design Imaging.、Mm-hmm. And I sit on a bunch of different boards.、Uh, by the way, Yen,、uh, we are the host of the Asian Time Voice, not the host of J- WJCU. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 yes. So, we are very excited today to have a very distinguished guest, the executive director from Sinclair Superior Development Corp., Michael Fleming. Hey there. So,、uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about you so we, you know, the listener would know who you are?、Your、sure. Full resume, recite every full, single I didn't detail. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bring the hard copy, the, <laughs> the long form. But,、um, so, I am the executive director for Sinclair Superior Development Corporation, and、uh, I've been with the organization since April of last year. And the organization is, ha, was founded years ago、um, to, to address economic development needs in the Asiatown area and the neighborhoods around it. We actually service everything from the Inner Belt out to Martin Luther King Boulevard from St. Clair, or I'm sorry, from Superior and Payne north to the lake. And、uh, in that, we will help with businesses when they need assistance. Um, we help navigate through、uh, govern- government issues that a business might encounter, such as permitting, stuff like that. And then we also work with residents、uh, to achieve、um, just a, a better quality of life in, in the neighborhood. And that includes working with such groups like the Asian Festival.、Um, but it's so much broader than that because St. Clair Superior encompasses a very, very ethnically diverse neighborhood. So, in addition to Asia Town, we also have a Slovenian neighborhood. There's Serbians, Croatians,、uh, Ethiopians, African Americans, all within this several square mile district. So, it's, it's pretty exciting.、Um, the area has about 1,000 businesses as well, with over 10,000 employees. And we also have、uh, 10,000 residents, too. So, all of those come together on St. Clair Avenue, and that's where our focus is. So, are you originally a Clevelander yourself? I am. Actually, I was born and raised in Licking County. Well, born in Licking County Memorial Hospital. I wasn't raised there.、Um, but I was raised in Shaker Heights, Ohio, and went to school there and then went away for college. I went to Boston University、oh. and I、uh, studied international relations there. And、uh, at the time, I found myself cooking a whole lot. So <laughs>、um, a, I ended up becoming a chef at two different restaurants in Boston. Yeah,、uh, we heard about that. Which、yeah. two restaurants? So one was called Wonder Bar.、Um, it's actually still there, but it's more of a nightclub now. So I don't, I don't recommend the food. <laughs>、um, but maybe, maybe the dance is fine. <laughs>、um, but,、uh, and the other one was called Sofia's, and that was a Spanish bar restaurant slash、uh, Latin disco on the weekends. And、um, that's, no longer, uh, that's no longer around. But at, at the time, in both places, were just super exciting. And I got to explore a lot of food. And、um, on my side, on my mom's side of the family, we're actually of Spanish descent. Okay. So it was really cool for me to experience doing Spanish tapas. And I later moved to Madrid, Spain, wanting to continue cooking.、Oh, wow. So do you like、uh, paella? <laughs> I love paella. <laughs> I love it. Yes. And、uh, I make, I make, yo hago una paella que te mueres. I make a paella that <laughs> you would die for. It's really, it's really wonderful. 
You know, we should we should definitely have like a dinner party sometime because one uh, one of our previous episodes Johnny was talking about is dumplings. So Uh-oh. I'll just I'll just be the taste test. It sounds like there's a throwdown. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a uh, for tradition. Usually we do it in a Chinese New Year, you know, Chinese dumplings. But now mm-hmm. I, I forgot to do it this year, so I kind oh, of. Oh, you feel forgot? Like, yeah, too busy. Well, that's okay. You know what? For the Cleveland Asian Festival, you should make all the dumplings for the dumpling eating contest. I don't think so. Why not? <laughs> that's probably it. We would have like hundreds of people signing up. Yeah. No, that that's, would be. <laughs> that'd be a lot of dumplings to make. Well, see, for, for the Spanish-American, I, not even Spanish-American, for the Spanish society here in Cleveland, I think there's all of four. <laughs> there's a guy named Marco who I met the other day who's uh, one of the only Spaniards who are actually here really? in Cleveland. So I don't think there's going to be a festival c- to compare that to. But Well, wow. is he also a chef? He's not. He's not. No, so he's. See, you don't have any competition. No, I don't. <laughs> so you have to take it at my take me at my word that my food is the best. So, um, what brought you back to Cleveland? Um, well, after I was in Miami, I'm sorry. Before I was, uh, I was in Madrid, and I was there for about a year, and I moved down to Miami, Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that was that my tourist visa had run out in. Spain, mm-hmm. and not wanting that to be over, so I moved to a sunny Spanish-speaking place in America, <laughs> and that was Miami. Um, so I was cooking at a boutique hotel there, and honestly, um, the cooking world, if you have it, there's certain directions if you want to go. If you want to start getting into cookbooks and restaurant ownership, um, it's a great place to go. It's a great tra- trajectory, but if, you are, if you're just doing it for the love of cooking, you can get kind of, I feel you get kind of burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in America in particular, we don't necessarily go to restaurants because the food is amazing. We go because sometimes they have a really good publicist. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I, I think Miami is more of a um, um, an explosion of that kind of nature, I, you know, because people are so transient. They're just there for a really good time, um, at least on the beach anyway. And so I kind of got exhausted from trying to play that game, and I just wanted to go back to just cooking because I loved it. And meanwhile, I'm coming back to Cleveland on regular visits. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad had been an industrial broker here for my entire life, so he's showing me all over the city, and all I see is potential here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you see all of these wonderful buildings, great little neighborhoods, great little ethnic groups, just kind of everywhere, and yet somehow uh, it never felt like um, our leadership got it here, and it feels like you know, yeah, I could. This is someplace I could um, make a home for myself and really get involved, and that's been my experience since then. Okay, so uh, why Saint Clair Superior Development? Are you looking to help uh, with the restaurants in this area, or <laughs> I'm just looking to eat at the restaurants. I think they, they're doing well enough on their own because there there are a lot of restaurants in this, especially in Asia Town. There's a lot of it's new restaurants. It's amazing yeah. how many restaurants, and that they're still they they keep opening too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so why St. Clair Superior? Well, I was actually at Midtown Cleveland before this, which is the neighborhood directly to the south. Mm-hmm. And so it was a sort of natural transition because I had worked with uh, all the staff at St. Clair Superior. I had mm-hmm. already worked with many of the businesses uh, north of St. Clair. So I was pretty familiar with the area uh, when I came on to the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I honestly have to say it's one of the most exciting places to be right now because it's... Um, it still has that patina of grit that you can't get in Tremont, you can't get in Ohio City. They're mm-hmm. very well-established neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And this one is there, um, but it's it still has an edge to it that I like. It, mm-hmm. And I think that's that comes from so much diversity. Um, but that's what I like. That's what I want in my own neighborhood. Uh, yeah. You don't want it to be too pristine. You want it to be a real city. And exactly. I think that's what this is. So what is your favorite Asian dish? Uh-oh. So this is where the politics <laughs> come actually, in, isn't it? Let me, let me rephrase it. <laughs> what Asian dish do you prefer to – or what, what is your favorite um, recipe? <laughs> that way we'll well, be a little less politics. I have to say that I do not cook a ton of Asian because I have to change out my pantry every time I, <laughs> I do that. Yeah. Um, but, but when I have, um, I, I actually have stuck more closely to Indian. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, those the spices in Indian is it's almost impossible to really take on some of the uh, more involved dishes for somebody who you know doesn't want to spend a hundred dollars on spices that day <laughs> at the West Side Market. But um, what I have done there's a there's a wonderful cookbook. Um, they actually have one on on uh, Chinese cuisine that's beyond the Great Wall, mm-hmm. and then there's another one that is on Indian cuisine, uh, which the, whose name escapes me, but. They focus on much more, um, f- not food that you would get at a restaurant. 
It's food, and, and what, we, what we're served here at Indian restaurants are really, really rich, uh, interesting, mm-hmm. flavorful, but very rich dishes that you wouldn't have if you're just, you know, having dinner at home. And mm. this cookbook is definitely more about having, you know, what, what average person eats at a, on a daily basis. And so there's these wonderful dolls that are very simple, like bean stews um, okay. that you'll serve over rice. And I honestly, they're so simple, so delicious, and, and that's one of the ones that I focus on. Now, does it touch on macrobiotic cooking at all? Um, do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? <laughs> I think of macrobiotic wines. Um, oh. <laughs> I wasn't sh- I'm not familiar with macrobiotic cooking. Actually, I've never heard of macrobiotic wines. Well, then we have something to teach each all other. All right. Well, macrobiotic cooking I actually found out about, I think I'm saying correctly, um, a couple years ago. And it's about uh, different foods, how to mix them because they have either yin or yang energy. Mm. And... Um, I I attended a seminar briefly on this, and it just, to me, it seemed like the common sense my mother taught me when I was little. It's like when you have a fever, you're getting ill, you know, your body is is raising in yang energy, and you have to intake ginger or a a bunch of other different things. Um, And chocolate's a heating food. It's a yang food. And uh, mung beans are actually a cooling food. So if you have too... Like I used to get nosebleeds a lot as a kid, and so my mom would always feed me uh, mung bean stew or um, this white fungus. Um, and cooked with, like, brown sugar. So I, I don't know what the white fungus is called in English. Johnny, any idea? Uh, no. <laughs> You're looking at me like, what? <laughs> well, Johnny's Johnny might be Chinese-American, but he's actually from uh, Panama. So actually, um, Panama, do they have similar cuisine as Spanish cuisine? I wouldn't know. There's no. some threads that run through all of Latin American food right. that lead right back to Spain, but they're very different dishes. So okay. you know, One other thing I like in Central America is Sancocho, <laughs> but I haven't been able to find an exact way to, to taste it here. What, Do they what? have that in Panama? I know oh, that that's from uh, Dominican Republic. They yeah, have Sancocho. in Panama they have Sancocho, and I love it. That's my favorite one. But it's very Americanized over there in Panama, so... My old landlord was from the Dominican Republic, and she loved avocados. Like, not the the Haas avocados, but the the big ones that are sweeter. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she cooked a lot with those. It's very interesting. So uh, what is macrobiotic wine? Well, see, now I don't know if I know what the real (laughs) definition is. You were so so eloquently describing Uh, yin and yang. I I thought it had something to do with terroir and things like that. Perhaps. (laughs) I I don't know. I'm not an expert. I honestly (laughs) thought it was just entirely natural. Uh, uh, wine producing. Oh, really? And hmm. um, so now I need somebody to go under their phone and look that up. Yes. Maybe on the break. Yeah, maybe maybe Johnny can do that. <laughs> maybe we but can we can do a research real quickly, and then we can talk about it in, in after the break. All right. <laughs> um. So uh, it's in, you you mentioned before about the uh, the different restaurants opening this area. Uh, do you feel there's a lots of saturation of restaurants instead of you know it becoming almost like a stereotyping of Asian businesses are mostly restaurants i you know i understand where that's coming from but um the truth is when somebody and and i just i was actually in mexico last week and you what you'll see when somebody is new to a country Mm -hmm. um it's not very easy to just you know say join local government or you know start working at the hospital even if those are your skill sets um so what you'll see expatriates do is they tend to do what you know, that what they can do that nobody else can in that country. And a lot of times that's going to be cooking. Um, okay. You know, I've, I've, I've noticed that a lot of expats in other countries, like Americans will do, I mean, they're, they're making burgers and they might not be very good, but, you know, <laughs> it's something that's familiar to Americans when they travel there and only they can do it because, you know, the Panamanian isn't going to know how to make a good American burger, right? No. <laughs> so, yeah, you've lived there, so you know. Um, so I, I think it's actually pretty common to see that happen. And, um, but another thing I'll say is that the clustering is really important. Um, you would think, I mean, if, just in, if you're just going to take a logical perspective of this, you would think, well, if, you know, one Asian restaurant opens up to another, next to another, they're just going to steal business from one another. But if you get a good cluster of any style of business, it actually becomes a district that's known for that. And I think that's what's happened in Asiatown very, very successfully. I mean, we have... Um, essentially four restaurants that all serve Vietnamese noodle soup right next to each other, and we're calling it pho ro, even though that's the mispronunciation of it. It's pho, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, for, for everybody else, we're calling it pho ro because it's catchy. But, I mean, you can't, you can't do that in the suburbs. Um, you know, you, you can do it in Asia, and people, and, and, and frankly, that's what's happening here, though, is that I can go to one, and I know that there's one broth here that I really like on certain days, and then this other one has the best banh mi sandwich, and, you know, so... Um, 
but that clustering effect is actually, I know you're, you're rubbing your tummy because I know, <laughs> um, but that clustering effect is actually very powerful. And now that it's not just uh, Vietnamese food, it's also um, all sorts of uh, other Asian cuisines that are represented too. What mm. other new Asian cuisines are opening around here? Uh, the most exciting one to my palate is uh, the, the Szechuan Gourmet. Mm-hmm. Um, that is in Tink Hall, which is on 36th, just oh, south of okay. Payne. They're pretty authentic, too. That's mm. what I've been told. That's mm-hmm. what I've been told, and I'm so excited about that because I love spicy food. Yeah. yeah. And that one, <laughs> you can't, no, see, um, that for me, I mean, my scalp sweats when I get their three chili alarm mm-hmm. uh, hot pots, which are amazing. Yeah, my mother's, uh, my mom's side of the family is actually from the Sichuan province, and we, I was actually just there last year. Um, I got married last year. And, oh, congratulations. Well, thank you. And my uh, mother's side of the family took us, uh, oh, my gosh, so many restaurants. And the food there is so good. Um, I guess the one thing that we really can't imitate is just the, the meat and the vegetables that are being used over here taste a little bit different. Because yeah. sometimes I'll hear people, hear people say, yeah, it kind of tastes like it, but it doesn't. And I always have to explain it's the meat. Because over there, all the chickens and uh, most of the livestock are fed with more of a rice base. And here they're more fed with a corn bra- base. Mm. So obviously the meat's... <laughs> Antibiotic <laughs> base. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So, you know, I, I, I try to avoid eating too much meat usually when I go out. But... Um, but yeah, the macrobiota cooking again. <laughs> right, right. I try to use a lot more vegetables in my diet at home. So, um, so what were you talking about? Spicy food. Yes, they're very authentic over there. Um, so tell us a little bit more about these new restaurants. Uh, the other restaurant that uh, opened recently in Old Chinatown on Rockwell is Emperor's Palace. And I've had just plates there, which have been very well prepared. And I've had their dim sum, which I, which I really love. So dim sum, is that like a new thing you had to learn or is it... Well, people call it Chinese tapas, which is definitely, oh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's really accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, tapas is something in Spain that you'll go out, have some drinks, and order one or two little items. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not designed to get full, mm-hmm. which is how we kind of screw that up in America, because we'll just keep eating until mm-hmm. you are full. But um, but I think that dim sum is, I, I think of it more as like a daytime thing, and maybe I'm wrong about that. I could use an no, education, right. but... It's brunch. Okay. It's like brunch. Yeah, yeah. We, we call it brunch, basically. Okay. Yeah, so that makes more sense, and that's how I use it, too. Um, but the dim sum there has been, um, it, every time I've been, I've really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and and I can, I can say that the chicken feet are awesome there, and yeah. that's usually not something that I can say about every place. There's been a lot of chicken feet I've eaten <laughs> in the past. chicken feet. I know, that's so rare. I've, yeah, I, I've gotten sick of chicken I, feet, but it's... <laughs> there's not a lot of uh, male pers- person who actually eat chicken feet. A lot that I know of. Everybody's almost a female or sister or mother who love chicken feet, but not men. I wonder why that would be a female thing. Oh, there's a reason for that. My mom told me that once ago. Uh, Something to do with uh, healthy pregnancy or something like that. (laughs) I I can't remember exactly the whole story. I'm starting to get worried. (laughs) You're going to be okay. (laughs) Well, I heard goji berries were were good during a pregnancy because it has so much nutrition, and it, it, I, I don't know the details of it, but I, I heard goji sure. berries were always, always good. They're always in those energy, um, not 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 the energy drinks, but like those um, those fresh fruit drinks that they market. I always see goji this, goji yeah, that. Yeah. So it's kind of it's a catchphrase now. But um, so there's now basically being about three different restaurants around this area that does dim sum. Yeah. Um, so Liwa does it, don't they? Right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we also have... Boulong. Uh, Boulong, correct. Yeah. So I don't think there's anyone else, though. Now we have the Emperor's Palace. That you well, those three, yeah. Yes, okay. And Emperor's Palace, I mean, they really put a lot of uh, time and money into that space. It's really yeah, gorgeous. it really is. Yeah, I was told the all the decoration was uh, imported from China. I was told so that, too. So I was told that, too. That's kind of cool. And it's really cool how they have the uh, zodiac animals around the parking lot too. Yeah. So, so since we are talking to the listeners, they have no idea where about these places are. So okay. probably should probably <laughs> get no idea the address. Probably should. Stuff. I we well maybe we'll post them online. Do you have an online forum for this? Yeah, we, we can we can post it at ocagc.org or probably just go to St. Clair Superior website, which is uh, St. Clair Superior and then there's also Asia Town Cleveland. Okay. Um, that they can check out, and all of the addresses of the restaurants in the area are listed there. Nice. So, what? Uh, t- talk a little bit about the Saint Clair Superior uh, Development Corp. Uh, what are the different projects you guys have been doing now? 
We're really working on a lot. Uh, I, I mean, if you talk to any CDC, they do a lot of the similar things that we do. Typically, they're more focused on either residential mm-hmm. or business. Uh, Midtown to the south is entirely business focused just because they have virtually no res- uh, uh, residents there. And um, Ohio City, on the other hand, is much more residential based. They do have a good business core, but they're all retail, which relates more to residential than it does to a typical office or, or commercial use. Um, and we have a lot of uh, a lot more commercial, actually, I should say, really industrial uses hmm. here. Um, and so we're run, we're kind of a unique organization in that we have to balance both business and residential needs, which I have to say they don't always line up. I mean, yeah. I suppose it's not surprising, but if you go east of 55th, we have a Forge, for example, Sifco Forge, which is a great company. It's been around 100 years, but the entire neighborhood shakes. Uh, as a result of it, because That's interesting. yeah, where they're pounding out you know huge metal parts for airline industry and for other industries, it's incredible huh. what they do. But when you're at the Slovenian National Home, there's a vibration to the oh neighborhood. My gosh. Yeah, <laughs> that, that makes sense. So, but we've started in the last year focusing on you know some more. We're trying to get more energy behind what we do, and mm-hmm. um, I th- I think it all started with a program that I introduced. I, I'm gonna. I know you're gonna bring this on me later so i'm just going to start off with it, it now but sheep? we yes the sheep yes. We, <laughs> <laughs> so we took um some vacant property uh, along the lake at 55th and north marginal road and we put in we started off with a dozen sheep and a llama that we're going to uh, as an experiment maintain the land um and the idea is that they can do it at a fraction of the cost of traditional lawn mowing equipment. Mm-hmm. And so we had a developer who donated the land for that year mm-hmm. and uh, let us put up a fence around it so we can actually test this. And, um, you know, these are sort of uh, all-in-one packages. They weed, seed, and fertilize, you know, all yeah. at once, as you can imagine. <laughs> they definitely fertilize a lot, so yeah. <laughs> don't have to worry about that part. Um and it turned into a really big hit. Uh, we have volunteers who would be maintaining them throughout the through throughout every single day, and they come by a couple times a day to check on them and literally count the sheep and make mm-hmm. sure that they're all there. Um, and then we had professionals who would come once a week, once every two weeks, to make sure that they didn't have any signs of disease or uh, that they were wormed and other things. But mm-hmm. it became a hit in the city too, where um, we I, I would go down there and Lolly the trolley would be pulling up with a <laughs> with a, a, you know, a bus full of tourists who just came by to check out the sheep. I had no idea it was that popular. Wow. Uh, we also got national press for that. Um, my my aunt in Santa Cruz, California called my mom one night saying, Mikey's on the on the TV. Mikey's <laughs> on the TV. So, I mean, it, it was pretty cool. Um, and we'd like to expand that in future years. So if anybody has any large slots of vacant land that uh, they want to do something with, we can we can work with them. Now, do you have uh, plans for using that land after the sheep and the llama are moved out? Well, that's it. The developer actually does have plans, and okay. those plans are kind of a few years out. So mm-hmm. um, it seemed like a, a, a good way to use the land in the meantime. It's at no cost to him, and, uh, you know, he's saving money from not having to mow. Hmm. That's very Interesting. Good idea. I've actually read somewhere that llamas, they kind of act like guard dogs. Is that's, that the, is that the case? That's exactly the case. So <laughs> uh, as long as the llama is by itself, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, as long as there's one solitary llama mm-hmm. in the group of sheep, the llama basically acts like a sheep. Hmm. It'll hang with a sheep. It'll be at the center of the pack. It looks nothing like them. I mean, it's three times <laughs> as tall. Um, I, but I, I remember going over the videotape, some of the footage. And I see the llama keep staring at us, and we were kind of <laughs> scared because we don't want to get attacked. They're big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, big. I've seen them go after birds and dogs <laughs> and all wow. sorts of stuff. But as soon as you introduce another llama, it's like, oh yeah, I'm a llama, so it'll go. Act, it's go play with the llama. Yeah, yeah whatever that's they true. do. So is the uh, how how where's the ships going to be during the winter when snow everything? Well, right, yeah, in the winter, right now through March, uh, March or April, they're going to be in Peninsula, Ohio. Okay. So there's a farm down there where they're staying, and then they'll be back. So they're not there right now. Uh, they are not on site, no. Okay. So don't come running to the lakeside to check them out. It's okay. very interesting. That reminds me, I grew up on the east side in Willoughby, and there was a, a woman who lived. I can't remember where she lived exactly, but she was nicknamed the Sheep Lady. The Sheep Lady. I've heard about yeah. her. Yeah. And she would have a lot of sheep on her property, and they were they were her pets. So instead of a cat lady, she was a sheep lady. And I've, I mean, I was relatively young, and I didn't really have a car at that time, so I never really went out to go see. But apparently a lot of people just stopped by and just like, oh, look, you know, there's sheep in her yard. No, I've heard about the Sheep Lady a lot. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of good things. It's pretty cool. Wonderful. What <laughs> other projects do you have, though? 
So, well, that was the first one, and yeah. it, it's a little quirky, and I think that that's what people started to look at us and like, oh, they're, they're, they're doing things that are different in that organization. Um, so I have to say, I mean, as odd as it was, it was probably one of the best things that we could have done because it got us some real attention um, mm-hmm. for a neighborhood that's trying new things. And, and I think some of the CDC are trying to do the similar project like this one too, right? There was uh, the MoGoats. Okay. Um, those launched two days after our sheep, um, which <laughs> I feel bad for the organizers of the MoGoats because... Uh, it was just a timing issue. I mean, yeah. we started the sheep on a Monday. They started on a Wednesday. And then when even when reporters went to talk about the Mogoats, they went to me for a quote, which is really wow. <laughs> okay. felt, felt bad about that. Yeah. But, yeah. but like I said in that article, I think there's uh, enough room in the Cleveland ecosystem for sheep and for goats. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that was the, that the, the sheep was definitely one of the first ones we did. And, um, since then we've been, uh, well, we've have an ongoing, um, Asia town master plan that we've been working on. Mm -hmm. And that started just a few months, I think, before I started with St. Clair Superior and it is continuing on now. It should be finished, uh, by the end of this year, 2013. And, um, from that, we're going to be able to do some serious development, hopefully in Asia town, um, you know, beyond just the mom and pop stuff, we'll be able to attract money for uh, infrastructure improvements that will go along with the plan. So what is this master plan? Can you elaborate a little bit in what's the boundary of this master plan? Right. So we define Asia Town as between 30th, East 30th and East 40th, okay. and from uh, Payne north to St. Clair. And then there's a couple outliers. Uh, we have uh, historic Chinatown, which is on Rockwell, and that's between what 22nd and 24th. Right. So, um, so we kind of have a little, a, a <laughs> little peninsula to the planning area that goes out there. And then we also have um, a little cluster of Indian businesses uh, that's north on 40th, about Hamilton and 40th. So we kind of loop up there and capture that too. Um, but really, it's more about the residents and uh, the cluster of residents are between 30th and 40th and okay. uh, St. Clair and Payne um, and the restaurants as well. So that's really the focus area. Um, but if you were to drive through there, it's not necessarily recognizable that this is, you know, th- this is heavily populated with uh, an Asian community. Mm-hmm. Um, the houses tend to look like houses in other parts of Cleveland. Um, the gardens are much better. Mm-hmm. but and you can tell the houses are solid. They're not falling apart. There's very, very little vacancy. Um, but at the same time, they're, they're relatively nondescript, again, apart from the, the gardens, which are incredible. Um, and there's not tons of signage hanging off the uh, restaurants like you would expect if you were in Chinatown in, say, New York or um, if you were in San Francisco. It's not yeah. just tons and tons of signage, and it's not really, really densely packed like that, too. So mm-hmm. I think... Um, we have to start to decide that what Asia Town is going to look like here, and that's what this plan will do. But it's going to be under Cleveland's rules. It's not going to be that level of density that you have in some other major cities. Right. Oh, that's pretty well, exciting news. I guess the uh, the density it might be a problem in Cleveland because um, I mean everybody here there's no subway system. I mean they have the buses, but you know so does New York and so does California. I mean, it's, I think it's more of a transportation issue here. Right. It's very easy to get around by car. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would need parking lots and parking spaces right. and garages and whatnot. And right. those are always very expensive and difficult. So. Right. And we need to try and to safety. wean people off of that, but it's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're going to take a little break here. And um, we're going to once again listen to Ira Kumar's uh, composed music from another piece that he did. And then we'll, come, we'll be back. All right, and we're back. For those of you joining in right now, 
This is Asiatown Voice, and Asiatown Voice is an hour-long programming on WJCU's 88.7 FM radio. We're on every Sunday from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., and this hour-long program provides an inside look into the Asian Pacific Americans community on their culture, education, and on events happening in Northeast Ohio. Asiatown Voice will help you understand the different, different Asian ethnic groups in Cleveland and uh, promotes their diversity and unity to the listeners. Asiatown Voice is a nonprofit radio hour hosted by WJCU's 88.7 FM. We're all volunteers and we hope that the listeners will enjoy our program and that you give your support to WJCU so that we can continue providing many voices with many choices to you. My name is Yin. And with me is our Asiatown Voice host, uh, Johnny Wu, and as well as um, Michael Fleming from the St. Clair Superior Development Corporation. And that clip of music you just heard during our break was composed by Arya Kumar. Now, uh, Michael, getting back to about um, St. Clair Superior, um, you told me about a, an event that was going on, or, or a festival, and uh, uh, let me spell this out for the listeners. It's spelled... Uh, <laughs> K-U-R-E-N-T-O-V-A-N-J-E. Kurantavanje. All right. Can you tell me, because <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Can you please educate me? Yes. Yeah, so uh, Kurantavanje is the Slovenian Rite of Spring, mm-hmm. and um, it's actually a pagan tradition. Mm-hmm. And they started, uh, they've been celebrating it off and on over thousands of years, but really got into it uh, in the last hundred years. And um, and it, it's basically, they take Korant's, uh, where that word stems from, uh, which are these sort of like goat hair beasts. It's kind of hard to describe, but if you go to the Slovenian Museum and Archives on uh, St. Clara Avenue at about 64th, they have, in the museum, they have one of the Corinths. Uh-huh. And it's this big costume that somebody wear totally covered in goat hair and uh, with a crazy beak and this sort of like devil-looking face oh. to it. Um, uh, it looks very tribal. It's very cool. But this they'll, they'll do this thing where they stomp away... To kind of scare winter mm-hmm. and welcome spring, hmm. and so I guess it could be kind of like their version of Groundhog Day, except a little bit more ferocious. It's you, almost like a Chinese New Year too. Well, That's yeah, we with the firecrackers. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, with the noise. I mean, and the and the lion dance and the dragon dances. You know, they dress up like these great beasts that chase away you know all the darkness of the winter time. And also, it reminds me of like a. a a lunar eclipse when uh, they used to think the sky dog was eating the moon. They would bang <laughs> pots and pans. So, <laughs> and um, well, cool. What a good parallel to draw. But yeah, so that's what the Corentavanie um, uh, is actually based on, and it starts off with a parade or a procession where the Corents are marching. But then they invite everybody in Slovenia. Anyway, they invite all these different uh, ethnic groups from all over Eastern Europe and beyond. Mm-hmm to bring their own ethnic traditions to to the festival too. So you'll see parades with all sorts of different uh, groups marching in it. And um, you'll see in Slovenia, you'll see whole floats that are uh, that range from just ethnic to totally wacky stuff. So are you guys going to shut down the roads to have this parade? You mean we did shut down the roads? I mean, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. This event was yesterday. That's oh. right. I apologize. I was somewhere else because I, I didn't find out about this. <laughs> I'm so on top of things. So, yeah, <laughs> we just had it on the 23rd. Uh, mm-hmm. It's actually late for the year. It should be um, earlier because it's pre-Lenten that they'll or- ordinarily do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we had it on the 23rd, and we shut down St. Clair uh, just for the parade portion. Mm-hmm. And it started at St. Martin de Porres and St. Vitus. I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that school and that church, but mm-hmm. St. Vitus is the uh, religious heart of the Slovenian community in Northeast Ohio. And um, our councilman, Councilman Simperman, will probably point out to anybody who asks that Cleveland has more Slovenians than any city outside of Slovenia. Hmm. So I know it's a very uh, unique trait for this city that uh, a lot of people forget about. And when you come to this neighborhood just east of Asiatown, you'll see there's Sterley's Country Home, there's Marie's, there's a lot of Slovenian influence in there, and obviously the home the Slovenian National Home. So at any rate, getting back to the parade, uh, it started at uh, St. Martin de Porres and St. Vitus, which is on Laoshi, just south of St. Clair, wrapped around, went down St. Clair. And, you know, we had a lot of different participants from, um, you know, from bands and schools to ethnic groups and Ukrainians and Slovenians and Serbians. and, uh, And that was a lot of fun. 
and it ended at the Slovenian home at uh, Addison and St. Clair. And then for the next four hours at the Slovenian National Home, there was all sorts of things going on. Uh, we had uh, the different pop-up shops that we've been working on opening. And mm-hmm. actually, that's something that we can talk about a little bit later about yeah. the sort of development that we're working on in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had some new stores that we've been working on open. We had um, uh, the Slovenian Home itself, which is a big hall, open. And there were bands and uh, dance acts um, we had some public art that was sponsored by the Cuyahoga Arts and Culture mm-hmm. uh, that's going to, that we're uh, taking input from uh, from residents and stakeholders so that we can create massive public art on the street on St. Clair in the future. And then people got to walk around and try different Slovenian beers and wines and, you know, Slivovich, which is their, their sort of hard liquor. I kind of regret missing this already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you, you missed out for sure. Yeah. Um, so was there any picture taken that we can, that we can people can check out on the website? Yes, they're going to be posted at uh, on our Facebook page and uh, stclairsuperior.org. What's the name of the Facebook page? Uh, if you look up St. Clair Superior on Facebook, okay, it'll take you there. And this is annual, right? This is the first annual. Oh, and we're very excited about this. Yeah, this is the first time that we did this in. Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's huge in Slovenia, and uh, our organization took it to the Slovenian community here because we thought, okay, this is um, a missed opportunity, uh, particularly in winter. There's there's so few things to do in February, mm-hmm. and the one other festival that I can think of is uh, Bright Winterfest, which mm-hmm. happened yeah. on the 16th, I believe, um, in Ohio City this year. And so... I heard uh, of it, but I don't remember the date. Yes, yes. Well, it just happened uh, la- the weekend before last. So um, that's another wonderful winter festival. And, and But people, I think, are really looking for things to do. And frankly, our weather is actually improving in February. Yes. <laughs> it used to be a lot worse. And, and now it seems like you kind of, it's a mixed bag. It might be really cold or it could be 70 degrees. You never really know. Yeah, I, I vote for the 70 degrees days, definitely. Yeah. So how many people show up for this uh, Slovenian event? Um, the, it's it was hard. I don't have a total count yet, Johnny. So I'm going to have to check with uh, okay. with Tenable Security who was doing the count on that. But it was at least in in the hundreds to thousands range. You know, it's a funny thing is the, the first fe- first festival they already have a parade, and us yeah. the Cleveland Asia Festival we don't have a parade. Well, yet. I it's a little more difficult for us. I mean, because we've got so many vendors. Yeah. Yeah, and we we have the dragon dance that goes around all the vendor tents and through the streets. Because, I mean, we're already, we're already shutting down a street. Well, <laughs> and actually, I think we should jump back to Asia Town really quickly because um, at the same time that the Asian festival is happening, mm-hmm. uh, and there's still time for everybody to vote, uh, there's a CAC, Cuyahoga Arts and Culture Grant, that's mm-hmm. out there that um, uh, different groups, there's about six groups that are vying for um for $150,000 worth of funding to create major projects. And one of the projects is called Mobile Encounters. Mm -hmm. And the Cleveland Urban Design Collaborative, working with St. Clair Superior and working with Bike Cleveland, are working on a project that you can still vote for uh, up until the end of February that is going to be along uh, Payne Avenue from 30th to 40th, which mm-hmm. is 30th is exactly where the Asian Festival is, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, and the project includes bike infrastructure. Um, there's going to be public art that's part of it too. And it's really going to connect the neighborhood. And I, I know that people come to Asia Town and they don't always walk everywhere. They kind of tend to get in their cars. Yeah. And this is really going to promote more walking and biking. Um, and it's also going to, it's going to be several weeks of celebrations after the Asian Festival. Um, so I think it's really exciting, yeah. and I think people need to go to uh, the CAC, I think it's CACGrants.org. If you can look that up, um, um, you can actually go and vote. You have to register so you can vote, but it's just you know putting your name and uh, some basic information that you're a Cuyahoga County resident. And CAC stands for Cuyahoga Arts Council? Cuyahoga Arts and Culture. Arts and Culture, yeah. okay. Um, the other thing that we're planning on doing with that money, if it's awarded to uh, this this group, is we want to start doing the first night markets. Yes. Yes, right? I actually, I um, asked a friend of mine. Well, actually, he's from L.A. But I asked a friend of mine, you know, do they have them over in L.A.? And like, well, they tried it once, and I think it was Roland Heights or something, and it, they sold out so quickly, and then they never had a chance to repeat it because of uh, just making sure there was enough 
to, to sell. But yeah, like the Taiwan night markets are, are right. phenomenal. I, I right. would love to see something like that in Cleveland. Right. Yeah. It's a it's a typically, I guess it's Taiwanese. I thought it was Southeast Asian also. Oh, it, it might be. I, I mean, mean, I, I think was it's spread only, out. Yeah. But yeah. And um, that's where the inspiration comes from. But you're mm. seeing them in a couple places in the United States now. LA is one of them. I think mm-hmm. uh, Philadelphia has one too. Mm. And it's just, it just sounds like so much fun. I personally think from a planning perspective that um, that sort of nightlife element to is mm-hmm. the one thing that we're really missing in Asia Town. Mm-hmm. We have great, great, great restaurants, but when you come to Asia Town, um, you'll come to one restaurant right. and then you will go home. Go yeah, home, or exactly. you go to the theater, at, you know, mm-hmm. Public Square or Playhouse Square, mm-hmm. and um, and it's because there's not like a bar culture or things like that. But right. this this could actually add to that nightlife feel to it. Nice. Um, for those of you who don't know, I mean, do you want to explain what your experience was? At, have you been to a night market? Before? No, I have not. I have tons of friends, Facebook pictures, and Instagram. And I'm, unfortunately, I've never traveled to an area where there's been a night market. Well, you won't have to. That, that's great. <laughs> it's, they're going to bring the night market here exactly. to Cleveland, exactly. so that's going to be amazing. So the m- night market basically being at every store, everything is open. So it's not just the stores that are open. It's also that there's all sorts of street performances, music going on. There's going to be all sorts of vendors out on the street that are selling food. And it doesn't even have to be just Asian food or Asian music. It can be really be across the board. And but this is every day. It would be probably, you know, um, on weekends. I would okay. guess that we could start something uh, at least during the, the, the term of this initial um, um, event, we could probably do a couple of them over those couple weeks. That's very nice. Um, but the idea would be that we can set the pattern so that we can carry it on going forward. And right. maybe it's a once a month thing, okay. yeah. you know, in good weather. Because sometimes, you know, especially for, for me, Friday night, you're going out with friends and you, we're in Asia town and we go to dinner and then there's nothing else to really do. Right. I mean, you can go to Coco Bakery and you can sit there. There's Wi-Fi or you can go to um, a black and white cafe in Asia town center and have a cup of coffee. But besides that, you know, for entertainment, we would have to go somewhere else to see a show or a movie or something like that. Right. But Unless you want to be karaoke at Liwa or anywhere else. Oh, that's else. true. Karaoke. But I know. Hold on a second. I did not know that there was karaoke at Liwa. <laughs> yeah, Liwa, every day to 2 o'clock in the morning, you can actually do karaoke there. Oh, wow. Do you do it? No. No. Not anymore. A lot of my friends are a little too uh, shy to sing, so karaoke is... Was it like the Korean style where it's in a private booth or... Uh, it's in a party room, and the, the, the song is from Chinese all the way to English songs. Okay. And you just go in there and sing. And then they also do it in Bulong, also do it uh, at Miga in the party <laughs> room. I heard about Miga too, but I want to yeah. do it... And you ever see Lost in Translation? Um, no. <laughs> so that was that Bill Murray film where I think he's in Japan. But yes. So he's so he's doing karaoke there, and they do it in uh, individual rooms where it's just you and your group of friends. I know. Uh-huh. I, I so think, the yeah. embarrassment level is much decreased, yeah. I think, if you're just with your friends. I've seen those in, uh, in San Francisco. It's actually mm-hmm. lots of fun. Yeah. I have those I in New York, too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they deliver drinks right to your table yeah. there, so, yes. and it's all private. I like that. That's what we need to open, Johnny. Well... I wouldn't want to sing in front of my friends, and I'm sorry, my dear friends, <laughs> you know, I don't really want to hear you sing. If I had to sing, we do a lot of uh, sing-off at home, so <laughs> we just bring all my friends and get drunk into my place and then sing there. That's all we well, do. Well, yeah, and a lot of people do have karaoke sets at home, too, and yeah. it does minimize the embarrassment. So, I mean, I, I think the whole karaoke culture comes from tight quarters where everybody's living in an apartment and they don't want to, you know, upset their neighbors with they're singing so they go to a karaoke bar or you know the soundproof room right that's 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 always happened like that in the past um speaking of the cac grant vote you actually you will write the website cacgrants.org and slash vote yes so if everyone could please go there there's a couple other very good um, in fact they're all very good uh options but we would love to see for Asia Town. We would love to see Mobile Encounters, um, and there's a little video that you can watch there. And uh, yes. I think <laughs> that I'm speaking in it at some point too. Yeah, you were there. So you'll put a face <laughs> to the name. Yes. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the night markets. So I will be subscribing to the email uh, list. Good. Um. So you were telling me earlier about. Uh, see, I don't. I don't really get out very much. Uh, Yin kind of has work and school and dance and having a deal with Johnny. You know. Every time we're on the radio. <laughs> so I do not know what TED Talks is. And um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I think you were on it. Is that what you said? Yes. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be speaking at the upcoming TEDxCLE, which stands for uh, TED Talks in Cleveland. Um, TED is a, uh, basically it's a speaking forum where they invite people with interesting concepts and big ideas to come talk 
and um, this one, this is a local chapter of it, and they do them mm-hmm. in Boston and New York and Cleveland, and so this is a local one. It's going to be on March 21st in the afternoon at the uh, Cleveland Museum of Art. Um, tickets are already on sale, and they're probably already sold out, I believe, because they, they sell out usually within 15 minutes of the time that they uh, bring them online. But um, there's a lot of great people who come and talk on these things, and so I'm, I'm pretty honored to uh, be among them. So is it is it a TV broadcasting or is it It just... will be on YouTube. Okay. So you can see it live. There's going to be about 6 or 700 people who come to the museum to to listen to the different discussions and then uh if you uh look on YouTube, I think it might I'm not sure if it's going to be a couple weeks or a couple months, but later on in the year for sure you'll be able to go on YouTube and um check out tedxclee.com, I believe. Yes. TedxClee.com. And uh, you'll be able to see uh, a video of me and others that are part of this. There's lots of people going to be talking that day. There are. It looks that yeah. way. Yeah, I'm looking um, right I now. think what they're doing this year, though, is many of them are doubled up um, so that so that one is paired with another that's talking about a similar topic. Okay. Um, I'm on my own on this one. I've got wow. 15 minutes to cover on uh, rapid revitalization, but I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> 15 minutes is not enough time. Look at us. We almost did 45 minutes. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> that's true. But um, are, are talking about uh, big projects, can you tell us a little bit about the public art project? Yes. So we have a lot of public art projects that we're working on. Um, in Asiatown, we have... Uh, we have a smaller one I'll mention first that there we actually did this a couple years ago that there were three pieces of public art that are currently in Asia Town Center mm-hmm. at 38th and Superior and the the reason that they're in there is that Superior Avenue is being redone mm-hmm. so that should be finished this year but they're going to be putting in uh, bike lanes uh, knock on wood mm-hmm. um, we've been pushing for that pretty hard but bike lanes and there's going to be new tree lawns that are going in and then later on we're going to come back with some uh, with new trees as well so that's going to be beautified and at that point we can bring in um, the public art that is in Asia Town Center but the big one that everybody knows our organization for is the year of the Zodiac project so mm-hmm. um, last year was certainly a big one we had the year of the dragon mm-hmm. And I think there were, gosh, how many dragons were there, Johnny? Do you know? Wasn't there like 20? I, I think, think it that was 20. I think we get to like 24 dragons. Oh, wow. um, and that's usually the number around 24 that we'll do. And uh, this year is the year of the snake. And so what we do is uh, we have artists design. Uh, we, ha- we have one form, which will be the snake in this case. And then we'll have artists submit their proposals. We usually get about 80 artists that will call in and, or send in a proposal about how they are going to redo the snake and what their theme is and their backstory. And then our sponsors will typically buy one or lease one. And they can mm-hmm. buy it and they can keep it forever. They can lease it and it'll go right in front of their business mm-hmm. um, for the for the duration of the year. And then at the end of the year, the ones that haven't already been sold go to an auction that we do. It's a big gala at the end of September. That'll be September 29th. Ooh. Oh, so you already set the date. We already set the date and that is at Asia Town Center. Oh, um, this is different. Yeah, it is wow. different. Um, and uh, I think Spice Catering is going to be doing the food. So, okay. are you using their banquet room on the second floor? We are. It's oh. a really beautiful space. It I mean, is. The whole the whole building is really well done. So, it is, absolutely. So, tell us a little bit the, about the action or the the auction for the, uh, the public art because I know I know a lot of people didn't been you have you been there before, Ian? Yeah. Okay, so I performed there before, Johnny. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'm but the listeners probably don't know about this public art. What kind of things happening there? Yeah. And can they apply to be an uh, artist to decorate a statue as well? Yes, in future years you can. So we already have all the artist submissions for this year, mm-hmm. um, and we already have all of the sponsor submissions too. Mm-hmm. So we already know who all of those are going to be. Um, when in future years you can sponsor at the fifteen hundred dollar level. Uh, which means that you are paying to essentially lease uh, the statue, which will go in front of your business, mm-hmm. um, you know, through until September. Um, and so during the summer, you're going to see these all over Asia Town and beyond, which is really cool. They'll have them at City Hall. They'll have them over in the Slovenian neighborhood and as far down as Chester. Um, and at the $2,500 level, you can actually purchase your uh you get to purchase. Sometimes, sometimes people still donate it back so that we can auction it later, um, which is really nice for the organization, but right. they don't have to. And then there's the $5,000 level, which just gets you more tickets to the gala. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, sometimes these statues, I remember 
think it was the year of the rat or the year of the dog. Some of them just went for like five thousand dollars. The rat was a big surprise. We thought yeah. for sure that who's going to want a rat? <laughs> you know, that doesn't make any sense for anybody. And yet somehow that was our one of our biggest years ever. Yeah, rats are sneaky. I should know. I am one. <laughs> So now everybody in the listener would know that Yen is very sneaky. I sneaky am very rat. No, I'm not really sneaky, but, um, but uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, to, yeah, some of these uh, statues that uh, local artists have uh, painted and are sponsored by local businesses, they can go for thousands of dollars. Yeah, and you even have a silent auctions too, as well. We have a silent auction alongside of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have so many donations from uh, area businesses. stakeholders. Yeah, area businesses that will pu- will put together into packages that are just really, really fun stuff. And in fact, I donate too. Uh, we were talking about the paella during the first half, and yeah. we will. My mom and I will, <laughs> will donate a paella dinner. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll sign up right away. I, it went. I don't know if you want to, Johnny. It went for uh, over seven hundred dollars. Oh last my year. gosh! Really? Yeah. <laughs> I should probably just go to the restaurant down the street from. So, so wait, do they do they come to your house and you guys prepare? No, we go to their house. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. interesting. Wow. Huh. And we bring wine and everything. It's really it's wonderful. It's a great Spanish macrobiotic meal. wine too. Macrobiotic, organically prepared. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but um, to talk about a couple other uh, festivals or activities uh, coming up, the Holy Festival, um, which is founded by or sponsored by FICA, the Federation of Indian Communities. Federation of Indian Communities Association. Johnny, do I have that right? I think so. Okay. That is on Saturday, uh, March 16th. The location has not yet been set. And um, some unfortunate news about the West Side Market, if you haven't heard already, it's uh, caught on fire. So on Saturday, March 2nd, and they're doing a cash mob. Um, so bring about, I think the rule is bring about 20 bucks cash and help out a local business there. Do I have the rules right? You guys are nodding at me. Yeah, so. no, that's the, that's, <laughs> those yeah. are the rules. Yeah. And um, St. Patrick's Day is coming up the day right after that, March 17th, uh, Sunday. Come see and support the Cleveland Asian Festival. They will have marchers in the parade. And uh, we will be pretty easy to spot because <laughs> we will be in traditional Asian clothing. <laughs> right. So, Michael, any other events that you know of that on your list or... I didn't have any uh, offhand to speak up about, Johnny, okay. but... Uh, well, back to the night markets. Are you planning to get that started this year? Assuming that we get the uh, the Cuyahoga Arts and Culture Grant, I'm definitely uh, planning on getting those started. So um, May, what is the Asian Festival? May 18th 19th? and 19th. 18th and 19th. Yes. So starting then, um, um, it could actually even happen that weekend, you know, okay. that same night. So after people are finished going to the festival, they can go to the night market. That's actually a great idea since we've, we've been talking about... Um, yeah what to do for people who want to stay around this area after the festival. Right. And since we do mm-hmm. have about 42,000 people came in last year, so we want to see whether we can bring a lot more people and retain them here. To yeah, the whole you weekend. should be able to capture yeah. a couple. <laughs> At least a thousand. Because yeah. I always have people like, oh, the festival's over already, but we just got here like an hour ago. And it's like, well, it says it ends at seven. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's, so there's <laughs> we got to open the roads back up. We so. also thought about having like a, a dance party at uh, mm-hmm. Asia Town Center. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Something like that, but to somebody had to run it. Bring in more involved, but usually by then the the volunteers are so tired by the end of Saturday or Sunday that it's just I don't know how we make it home sometimes. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know either. You guys really keep it together. We're just kind of. I get my husband to drive. Like, oh, I'm just gonna fall asleep. I'm not going to work Monday. So. <laughs> But um, so you mentioned that you wanted the businesses to stay open later for the night markets. Now, are you going to have like vendors? Is it going to be set up like the West Side Market where, you know, people come in and they rent like a space? And well, it would probably be outdoors. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I would think it was, it, we're going to try to make it right there on the street. Okay. Uh, I don't know if we need to close down Payne, but it could be the way that uh, the Asian Festival has been where part of the street is closed down and then, you know, there's a parking oh. lot. But it depends on how many vendors that we can pull together. I think of the night markets more as smaller stalls um, and then sort of a central area where there's uh, music playing and mm-hmm. um, other things going on. Hmm. Uh, do you know what about what area of the street you think about closing down for this? I don't, you know, and that's what's funny about this grant is that we're talking about this stuff and then if we get it, we'll find out pretty much weeks before we need to get it all done. <laughs> mm, okay. So uh, it'll be, but that's why we want to piggyback on something like the Asian Festival, which is clearly already successful. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have, you know, we'll have that foundation of people and of marketing all in place to, to make this happen. 
Okay. I'm actually looking forward. I think I think when I was in Taiwan, uh, going to Taipei at nighttime, mm-hmm. all the businesses open and they, yeah. they have the whole block, maybe three or four blocks of street that they'll completely block off that you can just walk. Mm-hmm. Just like having a great time there. Right. It's just, um, it, yeah, there's just so much to see, so much to do. You buy little trinkets. Excuse me, I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> you buy like little trinkets. You get like a oyster omelet or, you know, little eats. It's it's all about the food. Like right. every time I go to uh, Shanghai, it's like I have to have my dragon dumplings, I, my dragon buns, and I have to have my stinky tofu. Otherwise, it doesn't feel like I'm actually back there because I cannot find anything authentic here in either California or New York. I mean, they get really close. But for me, it's a nostalgia thing because I, I would always do that over the summer with my family. But it's it's not just that. It's I kind of miss that nighttime activity where you don't necessarily want to go to the bars and you want to do something that's just not the movie and dinner, but you want to get up and move around a little bit. Right. I think that that would be perfect. So I'm really excited. I'm voting. All, everybody should vote too. Everyone should Definitely. vote. I mean, yeah, it's really, I, I don't think there's any um, real magic behind this. Uh, it's people like to be where other people are. I'm, I'm going to make the magic. <laughs> I'll well, bring the magic. <laughs> is there any concern with safety-wise? Because, you know, a lot of people also listen to this, oh, like, okay, true. going to Asia Town, maybe at nighttime would be dangerous because of safety concern and this and that. Um, you know, I, I think that we'll, we'll address those. Uh, the Asian Festival is already enclosed pretty much. Right. Um, you can't walk in just, you know, right off the street. You actually have to... Um, Get out of the car. Get out of the car right yeah. now. Um, but but there's guards all over the place, and you know I I don't want people to think that it's on lockdown. But it's I mean it's a nice secure environment, mm-hmm. um, and especially I'm I'm assuming it's going to be a warm and beautiful night because it always is. Mm-hmm. And uh, knock on wood. Knock on wood. <laughs> knock on wood. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm really excited about the uh, both the Asian festival, and I'm excited for people to get out and vote so we can uh, do do this. Yeah. yeah. So the website is cacgrants.org. Dot org backslash vote, vote, right? Yes, vote. For the website to vote. And for the St. Clair Superior website is? St. Clair Superior.org. That's S-T-C-L-A-I-R Superior.org. Okay. And you know what? I think that once these uh, night markets get up and running, it's I with proper lighting and just you know, the mix of people, I, there should be some degree of magic. I mean... It, it really depends on how people look at it when they show up. If they're there to have a good time and not to, you know, just hang out because they have nothing else better. Well, okay, maybe maybe that's my case. But I think I think it's a really good project. I'm, I'm just hearing about this. I'm very excited about it. Yes, it, it's going to yeah. be very exciting. So, Michael, in your own words, um, knowing the different group of ethnic groups living in this neighborhood, what is why this neighborhood is so different from the others? Um, I, I think that mix is just absolutely critical. Uh, I think the reason people live in cities is because it's this great place to to you know to experiment and to see new things and to experience new things. And um, you know the fact that uh, all within you know I would say uh, a ten minute walk of the heart of Asia Town, you have probably twenty different Asian cuisines, followed by Slovenian and Serbian restaurants, um, Germanic food. And and then Ethiopian too. I mean, like, how can all that be within walking distance? That's incredible to me. And all those ethnicities are represented too. Um, so that's what's one of the that's to me is what is a wonderful thing about uh, living in a city and um, just the availability of, of of all this different culture and experience. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're nearing our end of the hour, so I wanted to thank all the listeners again for tuning in to WJCU 88.7 FM, Asia Town Voice, every Sunday from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Um, myself, Yen Tang, and Johnny Wu were the hosts of Asia Town Voice, and our special guest today was Michael Fleming from the St. Clair Superior Development Organization, and we wish everybody a very good night. Thanks thank for coming so here, Michael. Thank you. We appreciate this. Bye-bye.